everybody. Coming up on the show today, caring for someone with a chronic illness can be thankless work. We're talking about a few tips to make it just a bit easier. And again, since the topic is so heavy, we're going to look at the lighter side of it all, too. Up next on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It's now just four weeks until the November 6th presidential election, and GOP candidate Mitt Romney has taken a lead over President Obama in some key polls. According to a Reuters poll, Romney is now viewed as having a better plan for the economy, job creation, and the federal deficit among likely voters. The president still holds his lead on likability and understanding average people, but other polls are also showing Romney gains. Much of the switch in campaign momentum has been attributed to the president's subpar debate debate for performance last week, which has allowed the Romney campaign to be consistently on the attack. Former Penn State football coach Jerry Sandusky received his sentencing today for 45 counts of sexually abusing 10 children. Sandusky was given him a minimum sentence of 30 years, which is essentially a life sentence for the 68-year-old. In the courtroom, he gave a statement once again claiming his innocence, saying he did not do what he called disgusting acts. The judge told Sandusky he was responsible not only for harming his victims' bodies, but also their psyches and their souls. Some of the victims also tearfully made condemning statements against Sandusky at the sentencing. Three more deaths have been reported due to a rare fungal meningitis outbreak caused by a tainted steroid treatment, potentially dispersed over 13,000 patients. This brings the overall death toll to 11 people. New Jersey also became the 10th state to report at least one case of the disease in this widening health scare. The number of reported cases is now almost 120 people. Health experts are warning that people who are at risk of contracting the disease may have to wait for weeks, as the incubation period for meningitis can sometimes take up to a month. Some congressional officials have now called for an official probe into the incident, trying to find more effective ways to regulate the pharmaceutical industry that will help prevent such a tragedy in the future. With spillover from the Syrian civil war continuing to put Turkish civilians in danger, the rest of the NATO alliance is reassuring the Turkish government that they will have international support should they need to mount an operation into Syria. Fighting between the Syrian government and the rebels can be heard from Turkey's border as the rebels have been increasing attacks on regime strongholds in the northern parts of the country. Syrian army forces have been shelling the northern towns, and it is unclear if they are overshooting targets and hitting Turkey accidentally or if the attacks are intentional. The NATO security chief made a statement in Brussels saying that the 28-member alliance's hopeful escalation at the border can be dissipated peacefully. You are listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Matt Townsend. Dancing host. Your dancing host. <laughs> you don't know this, but right when that song goes on, I start dancing. I oh. can't stop. Yes, he does. It just goes out of control. Insane. And you always cover your face. I don't know why. 
It's not something that should be seen for anyone under the age it's of shameful, 30. It's shameful, isn't it? <laughs> well, by the way, I just pulled my back out. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't dance. Well, and Skylar, quiet. Skylar's <laughs> our talkative one that just puts his headset on and puts his head down and then has to push buttons. Well, just Matt, take a nap. Take a nap. you know how like you were just dancing and you yeah. know how you have that little hula girl that dances on your hood oh, yeah. in your car? Did you see her? Yeah. She's, she's great. She's pretty cool. Busting so, a move. Have you ever thought about having a bear? On the hood of your car, have as your uh, new hood ornament. I've done that twice. <laughs> it's, it's not all it's cracked up to me. <laughs> Apparently, in a Yellowstone, yes, uh, in Idaho, a bear just hopped onto the hood of this family's car. They were they, wow. They had no idea what to do. They apparently it just climbed up on the hood and was clawing at the windshield wipers. And um, they, mom, mom, <laughs> there's a bear on the hood. <laughs> Trying to drive up Quiet. <laughs> Do I have to come back there? <laughs> no, Mom, there is a bear on the hood. <laughs> yeah. So the How lady, scary. Oh, I know. Uh, Did the, they use the wipers? All you got to do is do the wipers. <laughs> Just trying oh, to go the right windshield wash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Squirt it with some of that fluid. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> Bear's soapy water. Take that. <laughs> Take that. Uh, <laughs> Larry, get out there and get that bear off our hood. <laughs> Uh, they were just saying that they had no warning, did not even know that this was possible, and had no instruction of what to do if it did. Well, what do you do? I think uh, you're I... just supposed to roll over, aren't you? <laughs> oh, no, that's if you're out in the woods with the bear. <laughs> no, no, that's stop, drop, and roll. Oh, yeah. that's, that's when you're, you're on fire. fire. <laughs> okay. well, if you the right you SUV, you probably could roll over. <laughs> Dude, that bear could not get on the hood of my car. It's too big. We just bought new tires. Uh-huh. Cost us thousands of dollars. You're a high roller now. <laughs> We're a high roller. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? What do you do when a bear... Have you ever seen like the YouTube thing where like a camel sticks its head in the window or a... <laughs> you know, where are you driving where there's camels? Well, instead of solving the problem, of course, you take pictures and you take video and you... You, you know, show your kid for ex- 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 Exactly. <laughs> you, don't, you don't solve the extremely no. dangerous no, no, situation. No, no, no. And you if just, the, clip, you goes, it. Vi- and the clip goes viral, you make enough money to pay for the damage that the animal did to your car. <laughs> that is... Win, win. And you can get therapy for your kid. Oh, true. Well, this just said that like the husband, all that he was worried about was the bear scratching the car. But, of course, it was the mom that was As like, if you scratch this car. That's dad. That's dad. <laughs> That's dad. Dad's, at least dad's priorities are straight. <laughs> like, the little three-year-old was just screaming for his life. And so the mom was trying to calm them down. But it <laughs> no, was just I, like, I, not I solving the problem at all, because there's the bear. Dad was right, because I'll be honest, my first reaction when you you pulled that article up a minute ago, was, and I saw the photo, I thought, boy, that bear probably dented the hood really badly there. <laughs> Ooh, that's a big he, bear. I know. It's a big bear. And he he's just chilling. It looks like he has like the arm just oh, like hanging over nice. the top. He's just looking at you like, he's a bear. bear. <laughs> here, bear. Here, bear. <laughs> Come here, little bear boy. Did you guys hear? Um, that's pretty cool. But uh, how far would you go to win a boa constrictor or a python? What would you do? To Not win? Far. To win a, bo- a python. Mm. Like what would it take? You know? Would you eat? Uh, would you eat fifty cookies? No, nah, if it entails, if it entails, you know, leaving my apartment, it's really asking too much. <laughs> You'd also then have to take Do care I have to of take the, the python. Boa constrictor home. Yeah, oh, you'd no. be trying to uh, win. I no, pets. I don't think. No. Yeah, no, did you I'm not going to pay that much money extra a month for? A... Well, wait till you find out what the Florida man did, and may he rest in peace because he passed. Oh. Ooh. 
Ooh. He was uh, trying to win a contest um, t- uh, of a boa constrictor. There, there was a what do they call the pet store that was having a roach eating contest. Oh no! Oh, at a reptile store on October fifth, oh. midnight madness cell they called it, and the goal was. <laughs> Whoever, whichever contestant had four minutes to devour the most discoid roaches, uh. which can grow up to three inches long. Ugh. But you can't get sick. You can't, like, throw them back up or you would be automatically disqualified. That's called a DQ. And eating roaches doesn't automatically just disqualify no. you in general? Well, yeah. <laughs> they got that, more more than one contestant for this thing. They got, I guess, I don't know. They the actually Midnight don't say, madness at a small mom well, and pop pet shop There was only one roaches. that actually wow. died. <laughs> But this guy, he ate not just roaches, by the way, but worms. So, um, who, and it was, it's all for a free python. And the guy got sick. Investigators reported that Archibald was his name, um, Edward Archibald, 32 years old, collapsed after winning the repulsive contest at the Ben Siegel Reptile Store. We're just giving him a little bit of. Uh, Props there, I guess. <laughs> Sad, um, th- but they, apparently he just he wasn't feeling well and began to throw up, and he had consumed dozens of roaches and worms. I would have thrown up too, probably even before I started eating them. So, so little advice: just buy the python next I time. I mean, some people just really love their snakes. Oh yeah, I had a neighbor across the street. She had like three. Did she eat? Did she eat gross no, stuff? No, she so just is that, really loved that's them. what's finished him off. Then he ate. They actually uh, don't know exactly what killed him. Wow! <laughs> but I'm going to bet. <laughs> I have was, a guess. I think it was roaches <laughs> that are three inches long, and he ate dozens of them. Oh. It may be the worms. So nasty. But we've all been eating worms. No. No. Okay. Maybe not. Well, I, there was that old book that they used to have in elementary school: How to Eat Fried Worms. Oh, I love that book. I don't remember that one. At that was all. good. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, the kid had to eat a worm? I don't remember why. Well, it was just to be a man. Maybe like that was before years my ago time. I read that book. Yeah, that was before. <laughs> Skylar chimed in protein. Mm, yeah. Yum. You like you like protein worms? I love protein worms. Have any of you ever eaten a worm? No. No. Hmm. You I know, haven't. they used to have a thing at the summer camp that I went to where you had to lick a banana slug. Never did that. I thought that was wildly disgusting. Oh but, gosh. like, apparently it made your tongue turn yeah. numb. Well, yeah, weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, mm, yeah, no desire whatsoever you know, to do that. the same thing is if you lick a really cold flagpole. You're in, your tongue <laughs> yes, turned numb. Stick. I think I saw a movie once where that ended badly. <laughs> it, it usually does. I think it's I saw on TV it. around Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's on like 12, 11 or 12 times in a day. <laughs> is that it? Hey, what no. do they lick in Texas that makes their tongue go numb? Numb. Um, you get ice storms down there, don't you? We do get ice storms, but you can lick a pole if, in like February and really ruin your afternoon. Or you could lick, you know. <laughs> Why are we licking about, anything? It's a hot sidewalk. Banana spider. For sticking with bananas. What? Yeah, banana spiders. Ooh. Actually, They'll ruin your you afternoon. You know what's really gross to a Texan? <laughs> Eating anything we out west call barbecue. Yeah, it's a bit atrocious. Oh, that's true. We don't know how to barbecue. Did you hear about this lady uh, who also um, who made it? Apparently, it's all up. It's very up for um, debate. A Georgian woman from, I believe, Georgia, Russia, right? Georgia, well, well uh, Georgia, 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 but yeah, past country. Russia. Uh, woman who claimed to be 132 years old, making her the world's oldest human being ever. She's oh. died. Oh, I was going to wish her happy birthday. Well, she, oh. can't now. she lived on roaches and had a, about seven python. 
but she lived a very, very long life. 132? Uh, guess when wow. she claimed to have been born. I want to do some math. Um, 2012. 1880. 1880. Bing! July 8th, 1880. Wow. Oh, hey, have you guys have all seen, you've seen Back to the Future, right? Yeah. Go back to 1885? She's old She was there then. She yeah it, well she lived in the wrong hemisphere but ha- had uh-huh. yeah Back to the Future is fictional but ima- putting Hold all on. that aside what? she could have <laughs> met and known Buford Mad Dog Tannen Biff Tannen and Griff Tannen <laughs> Rob oh. you should not know those names you need a hobby that involves a ball <laughs> it sounded vaguely familiar but I'm Rob quite needs a ball that hobby. You can. <laughs> We, I do live near the basketball court. Well, you need a hobby that involves. It's chilly. I don't want to. Why go are out you there. laughing? I don't know. Somebody throw Rob a ball. I actually have a ball in my bag. Uh, it's because I have kids at night. Wherever if I take a ball, then the boys are happy. Um, he has a tennis ball. He tosses it around to his kids like people do to a retriever. You know. See, I I think I don't know that I'd want to live to be 132 years old. Today we're going to be talking on the show about chronic disease. And that's true. This lady did she. What I mean, was her quality of life the last 52 yeah. years, you know? 52 years. <laughs> that is the funniest thing. She was really great up to 90. Yeah. Then she fell apart those last 40 years. You start to have all your care, your caregivers 30 when you start, and then the caregiver is it like, yeah, pulls his back. You're still around. He breaks a hip. Your caregiver breaks a hip. You know you need to die. Isn't that amazing? How, uh, I, how, what's the longest any relative has lived in your family? 97. 97. Bing! I don't know, like 78 you, or something? You might want to talk we to live your hard. family. Okay, we live hard. <laughs> we live rough life. How about you, Rob? Well, I uh, had a grandfather pass away recently, but uh, I think he made it to his mid-80s. But he was the smoker. Oh. So, I mean, it's interesting to watch uh, my mother. Not, not a smoker. She'll probably go to her mid-90s, maybe 100. Wow. Maybe 132. <laughs> Whoa, don't, don't tempt faith. Hey, did you have anything? Did you, how, old, how old was your family? How old was my family? Oldest family member I to think, live. I think my great-grandmother. No, changes every year. Grandma? <laughs> yeah, my great-grandmother. I think she was 94. Yeah, I got some 90 genes. I'm going to make it to 90. Yeah. I beat everyone. I'll probably Whoa. be blind and deaf by 80, but oh, whatever. Today on the show, we're talking about... Um, we're talking about coping, dealing with, how do we help our family members with chronic illness? How do we help our uh, help them get through it? What are some ideas, some tips? We're going to be bringing on an expert. We're even going to go over a list of chronic illnesses because you may not believe it, but I bet you you know people that have got these illnesses. A little help, a little leg up is what we're trying to give you right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. No, really, flying cars. And it's not a joke this time. Today, we'll look at two of them. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. They've graced the covers of science and technology magazines for generations, tempting us with visions of an airplane you could keep in your driveway or garage. This year, two such vehicles have made successful test flights, and one of them... The TerraFusia Transition is already a hit of the auto show circuit. 
The transition is described by the makers as a rotable aircraft. That is, it's an airplane first, one that can fold its wings and become a street-legal car. So you can fly to an airport, then drive to your final destination. The second craft comes from the Netherlands and is called the PAL-V. This one looks like a blend of tri-wheeled motorcycle and a gyrocopter, with a sleek look, like something from a James Bond movie. Both vehicles will sell for around $300,000, which is steep for a car, but rather on the affordable side for conventional aircraft with similar performance. What's not clear is if valet parkers will need a helmet and logbook to park your next ride. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with the latest news and research in pivotal societal issues. BYU's Wheatley Forum presents the research of leading scholars and experts in current social issues and events. Learn, explore, and discuss the world around us with The Wheatley Forum, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, today we are talking chronic illness, okay? Illnesses, now, it could be you, it could be your family members, but uh, living with somebody that has a chronic illness is a test for everybody. It's a test for not only the person with the illness, but the family that's gathered around, trying to deal with the mood swings, the issues, just life. And I have a feeling if we're going to live to be 132, like our Georgian friend uh, who you know just passed away, oldest living woman. In fact, by the way, interesting little ditty about that. Uh, other than this 132-year-old, the currently the oldest living person at the moment is 116-year-old Bessie Cooper from the state of Georgia in the United States of America. Her birth can be officially proven to have been in August 1896. And um, so, you know, you're going to live. And if you're going to live a long time like uh, Bessie, then guess what? You're going to probably have a lot of people with either chronic illness in your life or you yourself are going to come across a few of these illnesses. Let me read you a list here. And uh, as we go through the list, see if you have any of these. Now, I can't read all of them because half the words I can't even pronounce. Addison's disease, AIDS, anemia, these are all chronic illnesses. Uh, um, Asthma, cancer, celiac disease, CFIDS, which is chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome, coronary heart disease, Crohn's disease, cystic fibrosis, diabetes types 1 and 2, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, Fibromyalgia, Graves' Disease, Guillain-Barr Syndrome, Hashimoto's Syndrome, Headache, Interstitial Cystitis, Lupus, Lyme Disease, Meniere's Disease, Multiple Sclerosis, Muscular Dystrophy, Osteoarthritis, Parkinson's Disease, Reflex Sympathetic Dystrophy, RSD Syndrome, Rheumatoid Arthritis, Scleroderma, um, Sjogren's Syndrome, and ulcerative colitis, just to name a few. So do you, have you, do you know anybody with any of those? In fact, I even highlighted, and it's got to be 80% of the list of clients I have worked with in coaching relationships. Um, 
where the one party in the relationship had one of those disorders or diseases, sorry, the chronic illnesses. And so it's a pretty big deal. It takes a huge, huge uh, bite on us physically, obviously, but emotionally and socially. And so on the show today, we're going to be bringing in um, Dr. Barkdal, Dr. Matthew Barkdal, who is a therapist and an expert in this and, and helping people live through and manage and have a healthy relationship for those that have chronic illness. We'll be bringing him on next segment. But before we go any further, we got to do a little bit of a story here. We have to help treat our family members who suffer chronic health problems. How often we do such a good job, the outside world never knows the full magnitude of the illness. Some prominent people that you may have heard of also do the same thing. There are incredibly talented people just about everywhere, on the silver screen and pop songs and throughout history textbooks. And we hear all the time about these talented people suffering chronic health issues, and their agents or maybe historians all try to tend to keep it covered up. But I'm astounded how easy it is, how the the floodgates just pour open when you do an online search of famous people with chronic illness. You think about President Abraham Lincoln... Everything he did, keeping the nation together in the Civil War, offering it all a branch to people during the post-war era, he did it all as he quietly suffered depression. Winston Churchill might have suffered Alzheimer's in his later years. Think about Mozart. He composed over 600 works. One could easily argue he's one of the most talented beings in human history. But remember how they said his life had these huge swings where he'd be filthy rich and other times he was living in the gutter without a dime. I think even when he died, his funeral was pretty modest, too. Well, the British Medical Journal is starting to wonder if Mozart suffered from Tourette's syndrome. They say he was having nervous tics all the time and some really bad mood swings, not to mention some of the awful things he wrote in letters. What chronic health issue do these people share? Vincent van Gogh, Sir Isaac Newton, Agatha Christie, and even Danny Glover? Epilepsy. Yeah, some historians think that even the great general, really the last emperor in Western history, Napoleon Bonaparte, he might have suffered from epilepsy. You think about rough rider Teddy Roosevelt, talk softly and carry a big stick, huge national parks, the Panama Canal, the Bull Moose Party. He suffered from seizures even when he was president. Einstein, George Burns, Cher, Henry Winkler, all dealt with dyslexia. Yes, the Fonz, Henry Winkler, suffered from dyslexia. The loved ones of Norman Rockwell and Ronald Reagan watched their beloved family members slip into dementia in later life. Stephen Hawking, a brilliant physicist in league with Einstein and Newton, has Lou Gehrig's disease. All of these people and countless more have dealt with huge medical issues throughout their lives. And it's incredibly frustrating to them. It's incredibly frustrating to their families. But we don't remember Abe Lincoln for his depression. We don't call Vincent Van Gogh a brilliant epileptic. No, we remember them for their achievements. And it's no different for ourselves, for our loved ones whose chronic illness we sometimes get drafted into having to help take care of. As we watch our loved ones suffer, we need to remember, too, that they will be remembered for their great accomplishments, not for the challenges that they struggle with. Such a great uh, bit there. When we think about it, I, um, I do a lot of speeches and work with the Multiple Sclerosis Society and the Alzheimer's Association. I mean, Alzheimer's, I guess, should be on our list as well. And I mean, these are these are... This is a big deal. This is something that doesn't go away. It it dramatically, any chronic illness, I think, dramatically impacts our lives. It impacts even our sense of self because who are we 
You know, am I just now this disorder? Am I just now, I mean, this disease, this chronic illness? Is that what I am now? It's okay. I guess, boy, I guess I was a father, husband, all of these things. And now I'm just a broken person that, you know, has multiple sclerosis. It also impacts, as I've done some of the, these um, programs with the, these um, families that are that have a member suffering with multiple sclerosis. It's interesting uh, the impact, uh, the impact not only on the person that has MS, but the impact on the person providing and caring for that person. Um, a lot of times, the person with MS we found wouldn't want to say anything. They don't want to get. Uh, they don't want to get in the way. I mean, they don't want to make the other person know of their worries, so they don't communicate as well as they maybe need to. Or the one that has MS won't tell exactly what they're feeling. Sometimes they'll overextend. Sometimes they will, you know, they'll probably be doing too much. And when they do too much, then they get too tired. And then the, you know, some of the the actual um, impact from the multiple sclerosis will hit them even harder than it might normally. And there's all of these subtleties going on, and nobody wants to make the other less than. Nobody wants to make the other feel guilty. Nobody wants to, you know, hurt their life or slow them down or not be able to go to parties. It's just a big deal, and it's 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 pernicious. And um, because it's such a big part of, I think, all of our lives, as we went through that list, you've all you all know people that are suffering with cancer or asthma or Crohn's disease. Um, lupus. You know these people. You know their stories. Some of you have lost friends that are dear to you. A lot of us just are woefully and um, and just sadly, I think, undereducated about some of these diseases. And a lot of other times we don't get the help that we need. And so on today's show, we're going to be bringing on Dr. Matthew Barkdell. He's an LMFT. He's also a med family ther- therapist or a medical family therapist who can help couples and families deal with some of kind of the psychological impact of dealing with a chronic illness. So we'll be bringing him on after this break. If you would like to get involved in our conversation, we'd love to hear a call from you and we'll take any questions you've got. Our phone number here is 801 422 0143. 801-422-0143. Give us a call. We'll get you on the phone with Dr. Matthew Barkdoll. What questions do you have about chronic illness or dealing with people that are suffering from chronic illness? You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. For regular updates on BYU Radio programming, sports, and other behind-the-scenes news, follow BYU Radio on Twitter. Just search for BYU Radio, hit follow, and enjoy our tweets on news, live updates on shows, and much more. Talk about good. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. U.S. investigations into the attack on the embassy in Libya that killed four Americans have revealed troubling information about security leading up to the September 11th attack. A State Department official working in Libya had reportedly requested that more security be added to the facility just a few weeks before the attack took place. 
The department apparently denied the request on the basis that they wanted to normalize operations in the area. The official who made the request cited a report that showed 230 security incidents within a recent one-year period that had all put American lives at risk in some way. North Korean officials are warning the U.S. and other Western powers they have developed long-range ballistic missiles that could potentially deliver a nuclear warhead to mainland USA. This news comes just two days after the U.S. and South Korea announced an agreement to extend the range of South Korean missiles as a deterrent against a North Korean strike. The North Korean National Defense Commission in a statement says they now have the capability to defend against any military threat from the U.S. The State Department has declined to say if they believe the new claims of missile range and cited U.N. agreements that say North Korea is supposed to suspend all ballistic missile development. Four states will be voting on resolutions in the coming election to decide if same-sex marriages will be legally recognized. Maine could become the first state ever to recognize gay marriage by a popular vote. A similar measure failed in the state in 2009 by just a slim margin. In Washington and Maryland, state legislatures have passed laws to recognize to recognize gay marriage, and the public's vote will decide if the new laws stay on the books. In Minnesota, the circumstances are a little different as the vote will be on a measure defining marriage as a bond between only a man and a woman, effectively banning gay marriage. 31 states have laws barring same-sex marriage, while currently only six states and the District of Columbia recognize it. A Red Bull-sponsored skydive attempt from 23 miles over the New Mexico desert was called off today because of high winds. The 43-year-old Austrian helicopter pilot who planned to jump was prepared, and the specially built craft meant to take him to the record-breaking height was set when the mission was called off. An official Red Bull spokesperson said in an online statement that the launch would not be rescheduled before Thursday at the earliest to give the crew a rest and wait for more bad weather to pass through the area. When the jump finally does take place, this will become the first parachuter to break the sound barrier. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody. To the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about, you know, how to be a better partner, a better friend, a better neighbor. When somebody's dealing with a chronic illness, how do you go about uh, creating some peace in their lives? How do you deal with it? Uh, and, and if you yourself are going through it, how do you keep yourself mentally strong and up, positively up? Um, and today we're going to be bringing on Dr. Matthew Barkdell. Now, Matt, Matt's uh, been on the program with us before. He's a licensed marriage family therapist. He's also a medical family therapist. We're going to have him explain what that is. He's also one of the medical program specialists for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Welfare Services Department. Um, so, Dr. Barkdoll, you there with us? I am here in all my flesh. Good. Good to have you. I'd hate, <laughs> to, left of it. I'd hate I mean, to have you in half your flesh. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a <laughs> mess. Makes you wonder, huh? <laughs> I hear you. So, Dr. Barktel, uh this, I mean, chronic illness, you heard me read that list. I mean, that's an amazing list. Isn't that an amazing list? It just goes on, and I don't even think we got them all. 
No, no, no. I, it's kind of funny because uh, I've got some chronic illnesses myself, one of which is severe hemophilia. Oh, yeah, that and wasn't that, on the list. Uh, no, it's certainly out there, and it yeah. certainly is a troublesome thing. But, uh, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of other kinds of conditions that really, really make people just bite their lip, and especially when those terrible words are pronounced by the doctor, like Ugh. a death sentence to a degree, yeah. where you're thinking, now, wait a minute, what does that mean? Well, yeah, and you feel all of a sudden you feel like you're so messed up, you know? You're broken. No one else has this, and now you're, you can't even pronounce half of these, and you're just, you're just now, I guess you, you could easily frame yourself by your chronic illness. Oh, yeah, and that, that's unfortunately one of the largest problems we see with this population of families who all of a sudden, we remember Johnny. Johnny was this little boy who had his whole life ahead of him, and now Johnny yeah. is, and pronounced that, is cancer, or yeah. we have to treat him like cancer. We have to treat him like this. And of course, there's delicacies, but it's unfortunate. It really is, because all of a sudden, you get a critical uh, problem like that that just surfaces, and you just don't know what to think. You've heard about this in other families, but yours, you just never would have guessed. Yeah, in fact, there's a great bumper sticker that says, I have cancer, but cancer doesn't have me. Oh, gosh. I, I mean, love that. So that's, that's kind of the spirit of it, but I, I guess part of it is a lot of us as just outsiders, we don't know what to do, right? We feel, I mean, I, I guess it's almost every day I go home and I talk to my wife, and she'll tell, actually, I go home every day, by the way. It's not almost so. every day. Good for you. But I go home and I'll talk to her, and she'll end up bringing me up to speed on people who's you know had a child die of SIDS. That's another one. O- October is SIDS Awareness Month, and mm-hmm. um, you know a child die of SIDS, or another one that a twenty-one-year-old boy that passed because of the effects of Crohn's disease, or another friend that died of lupus, and so all of a sudden it's just everywhere. I guess part of that is life, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's uh, the the thing is, is that you know when you hear about grandpa dying, it's still very hard, and to a degree, you can't really ever expect it, even though though you know that you know the end is eventual. But when you start getting these people that have been robbed from their youth, and that's the way that a lot of families express it, is right. I've been robbed. I have been robbed, and the unexpected happens, and the family is just in turmoil. There's a lot of turmoil, but it is life. Those things happen, and you hear about those things happening. Mm. But I really do sense that there's just part of our human nature that just doesn't expect that that's going to happen to us. Yeah, we should. Yeah, it's almost like that. It's like, don't even go there. Don't even think that. That's not going to happen. Literally, yeah. Yeah. I I deal with these situations on a daily basis, uh, hearing about whether it's professional or personal or what have you. And gosh, it's a hard and heart-wrenching story, but all of a sudden when the boundary crosses into personal mm-hmm. territory, then wait a minute, hold up your hand and just say, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. This, there's this instinctual part of us which still holds on to this whole survival of the fittest. I've got to survive. Right. I've got to protect. I've look got, good, you know, look good, look good. Yeah. Exactly. All of those great things. But some the 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 fear and the doubt that enters into parents' minds are just incredible when it, it's... And one of the things is it's not... It's going to be an issue that all of us are going to end up dealing with. Yeah, right. To one degree or another. 
I've actually done some research, and of anything else that impacts families, you just cannot get away from dealing with or being affected by or influenced by somebody who has a chronic illness, whether it's in infancy or whether it's before your, you know, your 95, 96, 97-year-old conversation that you were having previously. Right. Yeah, it's, it, it just doesn't matter. It's just there, and somehow we've got to deal with those things. Well, and it seems like, too, if you just go watch um, the news, it's, you know, I guess the heart-wrenching story that they kind of play at the end of every newscast, you know, 80% of those are stories of people living with a chronic illness or people overcoming some disability. I mean, there's, there is incredible power, it seems like, as well in these moments for learning and for, for actually strengthening others and being strengthened. I appreciate your talking about that, Matt, because that was one point I really wanted to emphasize, is although the emotionality behind chronic illness, first of all, has to be there, because your body has to process what just happened. It needs to be able to sink in and, and almost come to a reality, no longer denying that this problem is probably not going to go away. Right. We need to express and emote, if I can use that yeah. word. And not necessarily say, well, I'm just going to be strong for my partner. I'm going to be strong for my spouse, my child. You know, and you do need to be strong because they need to feel that strength coming from you. But as a family member, you also have to, what I call the emotional exhaust pipe. If you're going to block your exhaust pipe, you're just going to get the poison surfacing all around the engine. And before you know it, you're going to crumble and you're probably going to get sick too Mm. as you're going through these things. Well, it is. It almost seems like this is the great, you know, chronic illness is the great magnifier. And it takes whatever your relationship strengths or weaknesses are and, and it'll magnify them. It'll either make the relationship even weaker in a way. Like if we can't talk, if we're afraid to talk, it might. I mean, I could see how we could also make it better. But if you don't know how to communicate, it's the chronic illness that's going to kind of highlight that. It really will. And it sounds like you've had some good experience working with some of those families, especially when we have a central problem. Now, again, I was kind of emphasizing when Johnny was well, when Johnny was this, when Johnny was that. When you have a chronic illness hit... And doesn't it can be asthma, you know, and it, it's manageable, but mm-hmm. it's still a problem. But the focus of attention is no longer Johnny. Johnny now equates to asthma. Um, Uncle George was incredibly healthy, but he broke his hip, and now he's got and found out he's got rheumatoid arthritis, and it's right. going to just debilitate him, you know, forever. What begins happening, and if you will, I you know, you draw a circle in the middle of a paper and you put a little dot in the middle of it, and that represents the chronic illness. In comparison to everything else that you have gone through in life, right. that dot literally represents, okay, this is another event that's happened. Just one more it, dot. It's, it's one more dot, but it seems like it's sucking up that entire uh, circle, isn't that, that, that suck that page. Yeah. And what we've got to begin doing is we've got to decentralize chronic illness, if I can use that term. When you decentralize chronic illness, you're able, first of all, you've got to manage it. You can't ignore it. You can't, you know, deny that it's got to be there. That's why you have to have some emotion behind it. But what begins happening is if we're able to decentralize it, and perhaps there's some techniques we can talk about on how to do that, we deal with it as an issue, but not the issue. Johnny is still Johnny. Uncle George is still Uncle George. 
there's some new realities we have to come up to face with, but it doesn't, we don't lose who we are. If anything oh, else, like that. your examples of Abraham Lincoln and these notable people, we don't recognize them because they had easy lives. We recognize them, and they're true heroes because they were able, they, they suffered a great amount, but they just didn't lose their integrity. Right. I mean, I guess, and that's true with all of us. You're not just, you know, you're not just a doctor. You're not just an LMFT. You're, I mean, there's a million other parts of your life. You're a husband. You're a father. You're a friend. You're a son. You're a brother. You're a, I mean, you're, we are all these other things. And to become so myopic as to frame ourselves through our most broken part, you know what I mean? It's like, Isn't that tough? Yeah. It, it's what we do, huh? It's just kind of human nature. Well, we do that. And what's a second terrible thing that begins happening is when we put that as our central characteristic, that what encompasses our identity, is we make that our central command. Hmm. So in other words, what kind of a person am I? Am I a worthy um, daughter? Am I a worthy son? Well, I don't know. That's central command. Well, we know what central command is. Yeah. It's that chronic illness, which is blurring our entire identity from the very beginning. There's so much more to us, but when we see that fault, when it's so, when you can physically feel it and you're impacted and you're uh, brought into a handicapped state because of it, then it's pronounced. And there's symbols that just reinforce, reinforce, reinforce. Mm. You've got your cane. You've got your, uh, your Tylenol. You've got your daily... Um, trips to the doctor for your cancer treatment or your yeah, weekly. I the mean, costs got, are going up. Yeah, all of yeah. a sudden we can't afford what we used to afford. Our quality of life is diminished. All these symbols, because darn it, you're sick, and that's who you are. Isn't that interesting? It also seems like your attention, because so much attention is going there, you're, I guess you stop learning in all of the other areas. You Because it's kind of like, you know, it's not. I'm not about, you ask the question, um, What's it, what kind of daughter am I or what kind of son am I or what kind of friend am I being? Well, you don't need to worry about all of those other questions when you're worried about, yeah, well, I could die in a year. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and yet, really, you want to keep growing. You want to keep changing. Absolutely. And that's what drives me crazy when I hear on the news all the time, and I'm, I don't know, maybe this will cause a little uproar, but I hate it when people say, uh, you know, Julia Hanks or Bobby Smith, or in an obituary, they lost their battle with cancer. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. That, yeah. that just does nothing for me. Right. Because, because again, it, it just encompasses, again, that, okay, you were in a battle with something and you lost. Loser. Loser. Oh, sure, now they're dead and, and they're, they're a loser. Dead. Yeah, and there's Thanks. a bunch of losers out there fighting a, fighting a disease that's yeah. going to go nowhere. And just thinking, now, that, I was off the subject a little bit, but I just want to reemphasize the point on how much, even culturally, even our vocabulary, our shared language, the, yeah. uh, the, the, the words we use, all these symbols that reemphasize that chronic illness is in charge. Mm. I want mine to say, uh, Matt beat the crud out of whichever disorder or disease I have. And if I kick the bucket, I kick the bucket. I kicked I, it so far. <laughs> I kicked it so far, and if I ended up dying through it all. But let me tell you, that, that, when something actually defeats you, it means you stop trying. Oh, I love These that. people do not stop trying. No. You know, they don't stop trying, and that's where the hope just radiates. You've been around people who are chronically ill, and they're probably the, most, the people who just don't let it I mean, it's impactive, yeah. obviously, but it just doesn't let them overcome your whole entire life. 
those are the people that you just honor and revere and you just come away inspired from because, wow, look at you dealing with all this stuff. But at the same time, you know, even though I can tell, tell you're sick or you're bedridden, I'm still getting inspiration from you. I'm learning from you and I'm loving you for that. Love it. Uh, Dr. Matt Barkdell, we're going to come back with Dr. Barkdell and we're going to get into, I'd love to hear some ideas for how do we shift into that new paradigm, that healthier paradigm where I'm not going to let it determine me. Uh, and so Dr. Barkdell will help us with that, plus just other tools, ideas, coping mechanisms for you yourself if you're suffering from chronic illness or for friends and family for how we can best help support and lift up those that are suffering from chronic illness. We'll be back after this break right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. What do thermal imaging goggles have in common with butterfly wings? More than you'd expect. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Scientists and engineers often look to nature for examples on how to solve design problems. With millions of years head start on the R&D, if you look hard, you often find nature has already found a solution we can put to use. And so it is with improving thermal imaging goggles. They're used in fire rescue, military surveillance, navigation, and even in industry. Today's goggles are pretty good, but researchers at General Electric are trying to make them even better. Currently, thermal goggles are bulky because their sensors need a complicated cooling system to stay sensitive and working. What GE found out from studying the Morpho butterfly's wings is how it uses tiny scales made of a material called chitin, which react to heat by changing color. The material then radiates that heat away more efficiently than man-made products can. GE also finds that adding carbon nanotubes to the chitin makes it even more sensitive. Eventually, this research might lead to thermal goggles that require no active cooling at all. Imagers you wear like sunglasses. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. BYU Radio is your home for Cougar sports. And after each weekend's action, don't miss True Blue. Each week, join hosts Dave McCann and the entire True Blue team as they bring you highlights, analysis, and interviews from all the major BYU sports. New episodes air every Monday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with repeats Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Here on the home of Cougar Sports, Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, we are talking chronic illness, how to deal with chronic illness, uh, whether it's with you your, or others, how to kind of not fall prey to labeling yourself by your illness. Um, and uh, we'll be bringing on Dr. Matthew Barkdell, uh, who is an LMFT, Ph.D., and a, a medical family therapist who helps uh, families deal with uh, framing that and, and managing their chronic illness and psychologically managing their approach to that. But sometimes, as we've been talking, it can be hard as a family member to watch another family member with a chronic illness, or if you are ill, to watch your family struggle dealing with you and, and the hardship about that. 
Our producer, Madison, shares multiple accounts of how people were able to make lemonade when life handed them lemons. Sometimes the only way to get through some experiences is by finding a way to laugh. I had a recent experience where my grandfather passed away this last Friday. It was his time to go. He was 97 and had pretty much lost his sight. His standard of living was not very high. I was able to Skype with him several times in the week before he passed, and at one time my father said to him, Well, Dad, your bed that you were on sure looks comfortable. My grandfather slowly replied, Well, I haven't seen it yet. Sometimes what you need to relieve the tension is just some humor or to find the silver lining. A fellow producer, Joseph, also has a few experiences of his own that made his family's trial a bit easier to deal with. So my mom had cancer when I was a teenager and she opted to use alternative medicine, more especially the macrobiotic diet. Basically, there's no sugars, there's no meat, there's no anything really. It's kind of like salad all the time. My mom loved chocolate. She loved baked goods. She loved ice cream, pot roast. You know, the list goes on. And there were times when we all got tired of eating portobello mushrooms and bulgur wheat salad and wheatgrass juice. But despite the hard times associated with cancer, um, we had some funny things that happened too. Like, for instance, uh, there was uh, one time my sister and I, we used to stay up at all hours of the night just talking about whatever. And we had early morning, uh, early morning seminary the next day. So we always have to be up at 5 o'clock in the morning and then go to the seminary program. And one night my sister and I were talking. It was probably, I don't know, 11.30 or something. And my mom walked in and she was wearing a moo-moo and she was really stern-faced. And she says, come with me. So we thought we were in trouble. We were going to have to go and wash the dishes as punishment for staying up too late or something. But instead of taking us to the kitchen or something, she actually took us to the garage and opened up the freezer. And there was this huge Costco box full of ice cream snicker bars, which were basically my mom's weakness. She loved those. And there were about 10 of them inside of the box. And she says, I need you to eat these right now. (laughs) So my sister and I ate 10 snicker bars that night for whatever reason. And there were some other fond memories that we had there. There are experiences, even when people die. Like, for instance, my grandfather died when I was probably about 14. And I remember after the funeral, everybody was crying, you know. But afterwards, we all went to my uncle's house, who lived really close by my grandfather's house. And we had my grandfather's sisters tell us stories that we never heard before. And they just got to reminisce a little bit. And you get to reminisce on somebody's life, all the funny things that just happened in their life. For instance, my grandfather had a a yellow convertible that was his pride and joy when he was probably about, I don't know, 16, 20, somewhere around there. And he was terrified that someone would steal his car because it didn't lock. And so he hooked the, the car body to the battery so that if anybody touched the car, they would get shocked. And he, my uncles actually found that Jimmy Grigg <laughs> when, they were, when they were teenagers. But in order to get into his car, he had to jump into the car without touching the body or he would get shocked. And then he could, he could disconnect it from the, the body of the car. Also, my, my grandfather was a very, very serious person. You didn't see him laugh at a lot of jokes. And if you came into his house and stuck something on his piano, he would be angry because his piano wasn't a piece of furniture. It was a fine instrument. And so uh, he, he was not a very... He was a very serious person. And so his sisters told us about how he used to have a cowbell hanging from his mirror in his car so that whenever he passed cute girls, he could ring his cowbell and be like, woo! <laughs> that was Grandpa, the most serious person alive. And so, yeah, you can draw 
You can draw funny experiences and, and, and good memories from chronic illness, even deaths in the family. There, there's good times and there's bad times, and it's important to, to notice those good times. Dana Jennings, a blogger for the New York Times, shared his experiences of finding humor in his life when he had cancer last year. The classic family one-liner that stems from me having cancer was this one. You take the dog out. I have cancer. That soon morphed into infinite variations along with the lines of, Can I sit in that chair? I have cancer. Or, Do you mind switching from HGTV to the Patriots game? I have cancer. This man was able to make his trial lighthearted, and as a result, it helped his family and friends to be able to cope with the hard times that you encounter with a loved one that has a chronic illness. I leave you with his own statement that I cannot have said any better myself. Being able to laugh in the face of cancer lets you continue to own yourself, as hard as that might be, rather than ceding ownership to the disease. A good laugh reminds you that you are not your cancer. Excellent, excellent job. I'm Madison Allred, our uh, wonderful producer. And uh, we're going to bring back Dr. uh, Matthew Barkdahl, who is an LMFT, a med family therapist, um, just an expert at uh, working with people who have chronic illness. Dr. Barkdahl, you with us still? Yeah, you still got me here. Didn't you love that? Enjoyed that very much. It actually reminded me, uh, I've got a brother who also has hemophilia and uh, severe, and he turned that around. He's, you should know his personality. It's pretty great, but he turned that around and uh, made himself a superhero. Got a friend who drew comics, and he drew up the hemophilian, <laughs> you know, and he wore this great suit, and, uh, you know, he squirts blood. Did he bruise easy? <laughs> and everything, exactly, exactly. You know, and so, you know, his nemesis is all the uh, different ways that you can start bleeding, and it's, it's great. You know, it, it's, that is such a true concept. Yeah. I love that segment. That was great. You need to have fun with it. I mean, it's kind of like how you handle it. It seems like how is how everyone else will handle it. You know, isn't that interesting? When I was growing up, I, uh, I, I, didn't, I knew I had hemophilia, but I really didn't know how severe it was. When it flared up, I dealt with it, and my parents dealt with it and didn't make a big to-do about it. I, went, I ended up going to a hemophilia camp uh, just to, you know, about a week each summer and enjoyed that. But I was really surprised uh, the difference of attitudes other mm. campers had about their, their hemophilia. I mean, they really, really were sore about it. And, you know, I, I didn't blame them for it so much, but it really surprised me about the different paradigms people kind of adopted as they were kind of going through their own crucible. Yeah. And it's, I guess, some of that, I guess, is nature, right? Everyone is kind of different anyway. But then it might also even be a reflection of the the community they have around them, the how everyone else. I mean, that the idea that someone pulls the cancer card to sit to, to decide who gets to watch what football game or whatever. That's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd start saying, well, yeah, but I've got, you know, I've got chronic halitosis and my breath is horrible. So <laughs> deal with yeah, that, Yeah, be dude. careful if I'll breathe on you. I mean, <laughs> it's all that good stuff that you can start launching at each other. I love that. It really, I mean, a little, um, just a little positive mental attitude would help. What are some other things that we can use? In fact, and Dr. Barkdahl, we'd love to carry you through the next break to, oh, sure. to get as many ideas as you can. What are some more things that you see with the clients you work with that are just critical to making sure people make through, make it through this? The big thing that would help 
tiny situation, this is this seems so basic, but it's so true, is don't make the illness a taboo subject. Mm. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. I mean, it doesn't have to carry your life in terms of, you know, every conversation is about that. But, you know, the thing is, is that there's this big elephant in the room, and we know when it's mentioned too much. But let's talk it through a little bit. It doesn't mean you have to bring up every aspect of it and, you know, how much this hurts and how terrible and crazy it is. You know, just chat about the feelings a little bit. How are you doing today? You know, yeah. some people are, I mean, if they're not so much of a vocal person, you know, they, they do some fun things where they pin something on their refrigerator and say, you know, dad is feeling crummy, don't yeah. ask. Or, I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's just these little nonverbals out there just saying, okay, yeah, let's not talk about it today. But just some fun, clever ways to be able to just to communicate about it. Don't make it an elephant in the room. Uh, we all know what's going on, and it's hard and it's difficult. But at the same time, it's also trying to balance how much is enough mm-hmm. and how much is just too much. Yeah. Well, let's just balance this out a little bit. And, you know, when things are really rough, you can talk about it. I love that. I had a lady, uh, a client who had PMDD, which is like PMS on steroids. Yeah. And, um, you know, for about 10 days a month, she was just out of sorts. She was, she just was devil child. You don't want to mess with with her. And her husband, they put together um, a red light, green light, yellow light in their garage. And if the red light was on, mom's got PMDD. Everybody tread lightly. (laughs) Shut up. Don't make noise. But green light, it's a go. Yellow light, you know, she could go either way. But they they did. They made a joke about it. It it, it is a bit of a joke, but at the same time, there's a very serious element to it. And that's very helpful. Oh, very helpful. If I'm coming back and all of a sudden I see a red light, I'm going, okay. Red light. I'm not going to talk about that new truck I wanted today. That's right. uh, Make sure you wipe your feet before you go in. It's a red day. That's right. Wash your hands, you know. Tread softly. That's right. Well, That's so we, we got about one more minute till we need to take this break. What's one thing we can leave them with before the break? Then we'll come back and get into just some more tools that we can do. What are some things that um, we should be you know, thinking of if we are the person with the illness? With the illness? You know, and this is hard to do when you have the illness, but it, with concentration in a good environment, it's something called reinforcing the family identity. And what I mean by that is when you reinforce <clears throat> who you are, in other words, when somebody's very serious or they're, you know, they, they feel bad, they feel sad, it's taking it to the level of, now, now Mom, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I, I, I know this is tough for you to see me like this and everything, but remember what this is all about. Remember the strength of our family. Our identity mm-hmm. has been this for years. It's, it's like the, I do not own this illness. This illness came as an unexpected specter yeah. in our lives. When you reinforce, and maybe we can talk more about that because it's a really important topic, is reinforcing that of who we are and where we really come from. And where, how did this family start? How did this family begin? What are the roots and the values and the structure of this family that's made us who we are? I and love that. Reinforcing that as much as possible. If you haven't had a great um, positive experience in the past with with the family, you know, talk about your hopes and dreams, what you want, what is this, what has this taught you, right. what's this new person that's coming out because of this, I love you know, that, that. that's tough, sometimes you need counseling to kind of work around mm-hmm. that issue a little bit, but the more that you can kind of understand, not just the illness, but more about, 
you know, let's not get ourselves wrapped up in central yeah. command of the illness, and let's be able to get on with life a little bit. And you call that reinforcing the family identity. Reinforce that family identity. We're going to come back concept. and get into that, Dr. Matthew Barkdell, uh, LMFT, licensed marriage family therapist, medical family therapist, great insight on how to deal with chronic illness. We're not going to let it own us or our family. When we come back, we'll give you more ideas for how to take your family back, your psyche back when it comes to chronic illness right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. It's hard to know what the most talk-worthy things and events of the world are, and that's why Kim Power Stilson and her guests are here to provide you with stimulating and informative discussion on the most talk-worthy stories of today. Join Kim and her guests for Talkworthy weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It's now just four weeks until the November 6th presidential election and GOP candidate Mitt Romney has taken the lead over President Obama in some key polls. According to a Reuters poll, Romney is now viewed as having a better plan for the economy, job creation and the federal deficit among likely voters. The president, however, still holds his lead on likability and understanding average people, but other polls are also showing Romney gains. Much of the switch in campaign momentum has been attributed to the president's subpar debate performance last week, which has allowed the Romney campaign to be constantly on the attack. Over 40,000 Greek protesters gathered, gathered outside their parliament building today, clashing with police and hoisting slogans against the visiting German Chancellor Angela Merkel. A small portion of the protesters burned a Nazi flag and others dressed in Nazi uniforms as part of the outrage against Merkel's visit. Authorities have banned protests in many parts of Athens in preparation of the visit, and over 7,000 police officers are on standby to help keep order in the capital city, making this the biggest security operation in Greece since 1999. Merkel has been pushing for tough austerity measures in Greece as part of a Eurozone bailout plan to get the country's debt under control. Officials from Sesame Street have asked the Obama campaign to take down a campaign ad posted today that features Mitt Romney going after Big Bird as a major threat to the U.S. economy. A statement from the popular PBS show says that the cast of characters does not participate in political, political campaigns and that no political ads have been approved. Sesame Street has entered the political debate as a result of Mitt Romney's plan to cut PBS funding as part of a broader effort to lower the federal budget deficit. Three more deaths have been reported due to a rare fungal meningitis outbreak caused by a tainted steroid treatment, potentially dispersed to over 13,000 patients. This brings the death toll to 11 people. New Jersey also became the 10th state to report at least one case of the disease in this widening health scare. The number of reported cases is now almost 120 people. 
Health experts are warning that those at risk of contracting the disease may have to wait for weeks, as the incubation period for meningitis can sometimes take up to a month. Some congressional officials have now called for an official probe into the incident, trying to find more effective ways to regulate the pharmaceutical industry that could help prevent such a tragedy in the future. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking chronic illness, how to kind of work your way through it yourself psychologically, how to how to not get sucked into the belief, the paradigm that you are your illness and uh, framing yourself that way. Also, how to help others through it, you know, as a uh, caregiver, as somebody that's kind of a guide on the side, as I always call it on the show, we, we need to play that role. On any given day, it feels like, you know, one of us is going to be strong and a few of us might be weak when it comes to dealing with chronic illness. I guess the goal would be to, and this is the benefit of having a family, is that maybe there's a time where when I'm down, you can be up. When you're down, I can be up. And, and we can and rotate that role, which is why there's a benefit to being able to do this as a family. We've got Dr. Matthew Barkdale on the line with us. He's a licensed marriage family therapist. He's also a medical family therapist, specializes in helping couples through chronic illness. He himself has a chronic illness that uh, he and his family, his brother, have been dealing with. So, Dr. Barkdale, welcome back. Hey, thank you. You bet. Now, before we were gone or we went away to break, you were talking about reinforcing the family identity and how, you know, not to get not to make this be our identity. Now you've got cancer, you know, it's all gone. But you're kind of saying, reinforce the fact that, you know, we're a family, we can make it through this together. We're bigger than this. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good way to put it. And what are the values and what are the things that we espouse? We just don't want to lose ourselves during this time. And sometimes it takes, you know, there's a there's something that we typically do in, in therapy settings if it needs to come to that. Sometimes you don't need a therapist. Sometimes we just need to be able to, you know, just work together and see if we can move through this process. But there's, uh, there's certain techniques out there that are very, very helpful when we're coming down to this. Um, there's a process that's called externalization, and meaning when there's an element inside of us that are just reinforcing like we were talking about time and time again that we have got and we are and we encompass cancer and we encompass all of these different things. You know, the problem is is that this is such a new concept that we're trying to get our head around. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you know, think about children. When they can't understand something, they act it out. They sit down with their toys and they they act it out. That's what a lot of play therapists do with kids. They sit down and, you know, act out what's going on and, you know, you're able to make some good assessment with that. Well, somebody can do this on their own and uh, not necessarily playing with toys, but Let's make the ethereal or the, you know, you can't grasp it into something a little bit more objective. So in other words, let's, let's say this. Okay, I've got cancer and it's driving me crazy. You know, it's painful. My family's suffering from it. I know I need to reestablish this identity. I need to reestablish my identity, first of all, before I can, you know, emphasize anything else. Right. Or caregivers need to do it for me. But 
I've got to think to myself, now, wait a minute. What is this really? You know, it's making me feel this, 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 and this. Now, do I have control over some of those things? No, I don't. But I do have control over some things. And that's what you want to, quote, externalize. So if you're good at drawing a picture, draw your illness. Oh, interesting, make it, yeah. Make it, make it separate from you. Yeah. You're not your illness. That, that, that just is not the case. What if I'm a dancer? You know, if you're a, oh gosh, if you're a dancer, you got all sorts of great options to do that. Yeah, well, you, you haven't seen me dance. On your feet. Well, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. I haven't, uh, you know, seen you in person. Do yeah, things, but it's I'm not sure pretty. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes people say my dance is depressing in and of itself. So then if I yeah. did a cancer dance, that would really be bad. <laughs> Combining yeah, two things, <laughs> but, but you're saying turning it turning it into something that it it's like I mean you've seen that uh, here's an example okay family uh, friends actually close family of mine lost their child to SIDS and destroyed their family as this young family cute little baby perfect as ever his name was Parker they externalized some of this um, and instead of just being the lady down the street that lost her baby to SIDS they went and built a, a ballpark here in Utah, in Stansbury area in Utah, called Parker's Park. And they built this huge, basic memorial park to uh, all of the children who have, all the families who have had children die of sudden infant death syndrome. And they built and put trees all around the outside of the park, which was symbolic of the angels in the outfield. Isn't that great? And so they've externalized it. And you know what? It was the healthiest thing you've ever seen. And now we still go, we still go and put together this great, uh, we still, every holiday, every Labor Day, I think it is, we go out and, oh, Memorial Day, we go out and celebrate at Parker's Park and all of our kids play. Now, this kid would be, you know, 15 years old right now, but we're all at that park. People donated money. The city's taken it over. It's beautifully run and you just see, you see joy. Isn't that great? And the thing is, and that's the beauty of it. <clears throat> you know, this kid isn't gone. No. You know, he really isn't gone. Whether, you know, whatever religion you uh, embrace, you, that child is not gone. And that's the fact that we have to kind of come back to is just say, now, look, there are so many elements of that identity that are still with us. We're, we're not the same because of that child. That means that child is absolutely there. And so what we're doing then is we're going to externalize something. We're going to externalize a problem we can identify actually what the problem itself is, or we're going to reinforce or externalize, if I may, uh, you know, what, what the solution is or reinforcing who you actually really are. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to kind of get an idea of what you're dealing with. Uh-huh. You know, it's, I mean, it's so different for everyone, don't you think? And personal and it's, it's just yeah. different. Everybody has their different way of doing it. And we've got to figure out a way to, to, to do it our way, yet not internalize it, but go deep enough to know it's not you. Yeah, it really, it really isn't you. Even, I mean, sometimes I take some of these couples and these families through this experience, and they're really kind of disturbed what kind of comes out as mm-hmm. far as the externalization. And I said, well, it, does, does that represent how you feel? And they said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. I said, well, yeah. that's, that's probably something. In order to do that, you have to remember, first of all, about what you were before, who you were before, yeah. before cancer got you. Not, not, not you got cancer. Yeah. Now, cancer has you. Now, today, oh. how much does cancer have you? Well, today, cancer has me, oh, I'd probably say it's about 300 pounds. I can't carry it. Well, what happens when it's 100 pounds? 
Right. What's going on when it's 50 pounds? What's going on when it's 20 pounds? Wow. Do you have control over how heavy cancer is today or how heavy um, asthma is? is? Is it just sucking the life out of you? If it is, well, what makes it to 50 pounds? Yeah. Well, I need my inhaler. Well, yeah, that's one thing. But I'm going to tell you, the more that we're able to emotionally be solvent through, emotionally solvent through this, the better we're going to actually be able to react, even when times are tough. There's going to be pain. I mean, chronic illness is just wrought with all sorts of difficulties. You don't want to ignore that. Mm-hmm. But when you go through those hard times, it's good to be able to say, wow, I've got a beast. And when chronic illness hits me at 300 pounds, I need the red light, yellow light, green light system. I need somebody to make yeah. me laugh. I need somebody to help me through this. And you start developing interventions and discussions and talks about, uh, about things. So that's kind of the fun it's not fun. The but healthy. It's, it's, it's revealing yeah. it's healthy. You bet. I think that's great. And it seems like, again, that's something that that, that, that takes work. I mean, that would be good to know before you get cancer. That would be, these are things that would be, that all of us should be doing anyway, so that when we eventually are hit by one of these illnesses, we kind of have a, a deeper sense of self. That's one thing I think that helps with people that have a spiritual background as they go through things like this is they they know where else to turn they know that there's somewhere else that's bigger than them and they already have a frame of who they are that can help them kind of trump this thank you and you know one of the religious aspects which is actually one of the things i was going to mention is you know as you hone in and as you just absolutely embrace your value systems you know, your religion, um, you know, the power of prayer, the power of meditation, the power of that. There is so much truth to the fact that as long as you know that there is a power higher than yourself, mm. that there is this element that, look, I can only go so far, and it's only by grace that I can make it to the next level. Well, I'm going to adopt and embrace that grace and say, look, if that's what it's going to take to be able to get me through this, you know, and if you're naturally that way inclined anyway to be able to do that, you know, I, you can talk to all sorts of doctors who can discuss the biomedical portion of this. But I had a doctor tell me once when I was at death's door and that an amazing intervention happened. I said, Matt, that's just like Moses parting the Red Sea. I just can't explain that. You can't explain that, and let's just kind of keep it at that. That's that just a miracle. It's just a miracle. Well, that's, a, I think, that, miracle. that's the hope of all of this, um, because, I mean, there's miracles that happen, and sometimes the miracles even happen when someone dies, and the miracle might just be that they leave a family that has coped with it effectively and dealt with it to the best that they can, and they have these great memories like we've been talking about on the show. Yeah, these wonderful memories, and they're hard, they're difficult, and we have to, we have to own it. We can't yeah. ignore it. I, I keep kind of going back to that because there's always this sense of, okay, I'm going to use my humor, I'm going to use yeah. externalization, no, yeah, you I'm going to avoid use it. all these things. You know, there, there's a place and a time to be able to vent yeah. and to let that exhaust just come out. You know, we need that ability to emote and to be able to, you know, sit down and have those around us to comfort us when we're having our downtimes. Those come, and if they're doing, if if you're having and struggling through that, well, you're not alone, and actually, it's a healthy thing that people are engaging in when they're doing that. Yeah. Dr. Matthew Barkdale, so appreciate your insight. Uh, really, really important stuff, and uh, we're gonna well, for sure. We're gonna have you back on. You're our man, the man, the myth, the legend, 
thanks for having. Thanks for coming on because really, this is a hard topic, and you made it a lot easier for all of us. Well, I hope so. Well, good luck with it, and uh, always happy to discuss things. You bet. Thank you, Matt. And uh, as, as we talk about this, I mean, it's it's just great stuff. And Dr. Barkdell so helped us to kind of get a better idea of, of how to go about doing this. Um, just to kind of, before we take our break, we wanted to do one more story here from one of our producers. You know, sometimes it seems like no matter what we do, we're shortening our lifespan, right? But what what's it like for those who can only watch? Bryce, our producer, fills us in on some of the more prevalent things we do that cause problems down the road. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. Living with someone with chronic diseases is one thing, but what about chronic risk-taking behaviors? What I'm getting at is that there's no easy way to sit and watch someone constantly endangering themselves. The people around you don't want to see you falling to pieces, but trust me, right now, they are really bothered by some of the things that you're doing because they know that they're going to have to clean up your years of mess making. To get some data on this, I hit Consumer Reports to check out some of the more prevalent risk-taking behaviors. They broke their list into two categories. The first one was those who don't do what they should. Before I get into things, I'd like to point out that four out of five of these happen in the car. Speeding on the highway was the most common risk-taking behavior, and speeding in a residential area took fourth. We've all heard the data on this before. If we adhere to the posted speed limit, we can stop in, like, plenty of time. But if we're just going one mile an hour over, it will take us, like, three minutes to come to a full stop. And by that time, we will have destroyed ourselves and whatever it was that we hit. But in spite of this, we speed with constant reckless abandon. This is so dumb, but I'm just as guilty as anyone else. At least on the highway, I don't mess around in residential areas. When I see that speed limit sign, I compulsively add 5 miles an hour to it. I mean, think about it. We are moving at 70 miles an hour in around 4,000 pounds of metal and plastic. Let me reiterate, we're doing that in 102.67 feet per second. But it saves you time, right? Yeah, sure, I guess. Let me measure it out for you. Let's say you have a nice, hearty road trip of 800 miles. Let's say the speed limit is usually around 65. That trip will take you 12 hours and 18 minutes. But I must speed! How about I add 5 miles an hour to that? It's gotta save me time. That will shave off about 45 minutes. Pretty good, right? Well, that's not taking into account pit stops, weather, speed trap towns, slow drivers. Do you see where I'm going with this? And don't worry, the people around us are made plenty nervous when we constantly speed. Others are texting and talking on the phone while driving. Don't do this. If you're doing it hands-free, whatever, I'll let that slide. The risky behavior that really got my attention was leaving items on the stairs at home. But when you think about it, stairs are risky enough as is. We don't need to turn them into an obstacle course. Now, I don't have stairs, so it's not really a big deal for me. Yeah, poverty! Or then there's the things that we don't do. The most common is not wearing hearing protection when you use things like the lawnmower or the leaf blower or if you go shooting. I'm bad at this and my damaged hearing is a testament to it. Want to know what one of the bigger relationship stressors is for older people? That's right, not being able to hear each other. It seems trivial, but having to repeat yourself all the time gets old quick. Another one is not wearing sunscreen. For the life of me, I don't understand why this happens. Sunburns are awful 100% of the time. And they don't stop there because they love to lead you right into all kinds of nasty skin conditions afterwards. So I guess what I'm really trying to say is, let's be better drivers, let's keep stuff off the stairs, wear earplugs, put on sunscreen, and above all, let's be considerate to the people around us who are going to have to take care of us eventually. Alright, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Good work, Bryce Tobin. 
you may not have a chronic illness, but you may be chronically challenged and doing stupid things that's, that are going to eventually impact your lives. Bryce says, stop it. We're going to come back. Uh, after this break, we've got a little quiz for you. Uh, you know, when it comes to illness, there, everyone's always got a, you know, an old wives' tale for how you should go about handling it. When we come back from our break, we are going to blow up some of the myths, the old wives' tales, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The technology behind cameras on a chip that makes them more numerous than fast food burgers. We'll give you a close-up. Smile. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. You have no idea just how many digital cameras there are out there. That's because the technology to make them makes them so simple and inexpensive to manufacture, one company alone turns out a billion cameras a year, and it all started from NASA Research. Back in the 1960s, researchers at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory started developing electronic cameras that didn't need film for use in space. They created crude arrays of tiny photo sensors in a grid, each sensor pixel capturing a single photon of light to generate digital signals. Two competing imaging systems existed. One called CCD required many small components be assembled together to work, but the other one, called CMOS, got a boost from JPL in the 90s and got a long-term advantage. CMOS cameras can be built using the same techniques and equipment as computer processor chips, with all the parts formed together on the chip. This makes them super cheap to make, while also increasing their sensitivity measured in megapixels. That is, how many millions of individual picture elements are on the sensor. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Parenting can be a tricky business, and we all know families don't come with a handbook. That's why we can learn from world-traveling family coaches, the Ayers. Join the Ayers on the road for family, parenting, and general life advice. Monday and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Wrapping up the Matt Townsend Show today. We've been talking about managing chronic illness. How do you keep your head above water? We also talked, uh, we heard from our producer, Bryce, who basically says the biggest chronic illness is simply the fact that some people also just do stupid things, like not wearing, um, what's it called? Seatbelts? Or or seatbelts. And now we're going to (laughs) blow up some myths. The old wives' tales. Madison Allred here has got a little quizzy quiz for us. What the? That was crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So like how it started, like how I got this idea is because I was at my best friend's house a couple summers ago and I got the hiccups really badly. And the mom kind of poked her head and she was like, hey, just drink water while saying this phrase in Spanish. And Hmm. I was like, meh, don't think so. Then her husband was like, no, really do it. Yeah, and, and I did no, it, and it worked. That doesn't work. It totally did. You're supposed did. to sit on your chest <laughs> while someone holds your mouth so you can't breathe. <laughs> and when you pass out, you'll wake up without the hiccups. Uh-huh. If you wake up. Good good plan. Okay. So, what's the quiz? I'm, I know this stuff because I know a lot of old wives' tales. <laughs> so the first one 
is drinking milk before bedtime helps you fall asleep. True or false? False. True. Woo, it is true. Oh, look who knew that. I only guessed it because uh, Matt said the other way around. Are you choosing the opposite of me? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so, great. You'll be half right. The reason why is because as the chemical tryptophan, something like that. Tryptophan? Yep. And So does turkey. Yeah, exactly. Should I have a glass of turkey before I go to bed? <laughs> so, And also, apparently, the nice feeling has a psychological effect that makes you want to go to sleep. Uh, see, for me, it just makes more phlegm. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> so. True that. Um, number two. Uh, feed a cold, starve a fever. Huh. Feed a, what? Feed a cold, feed a cold starve a fever. or starve a fever. Is this like if you invite them over to your house, you no. should feed them or starve them? <laughs> so, like, if you have a cold, you should definitely feed them. But if they have a fever, then you should not give okay, them. Okay, no. When in doubt, always feed. I agree. Always feed. You guys are right. Bing! It is false. So, <laughs> both high fevers and colds just prevent or they just our rule, cause dehydration. Our rule is to feed anyway. <laughs> Whatever you feel, just That's do right. that. Just feed it. What else? Um, cracking knuckles causes arthritis. False. Negative. No way. I crack my knuckles always. <laughs> it's true. So it is false. Oh, but that said, it's a gross habit. Nobody should do it. Cracking your neck does call cause paraplegia, though. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Sam. Sam, our news guy. It's worth breaking worth your it. neck. Uh-huh. But apparently, uh, habitual knuckle cracking can cause hand swelling, and it can decrease your grip strength. Oh. So not good for those guitarists. Good to know. Um, drinking cranberry juice um, can cure a bladder infection. True. Mm, it, it can cure a lot of things. It's always a, a good excuse to have cranberry juice. And it's delicious. <laughs> and good for you. Well, you guys are right. It is true. Yes. So apparently a study done at Harvard Medical School showed that properties in cranberries destroy bacteria clinging to the wall of the bladder. But it also works for blackberry juice, too. So blackberry or cranberry. That sounds good. Ooh, have you ever Did had black cranberry? Mm. Mm. And doubly toxic. <laughs> blackberry juice. Mm. So if you go outside with wet hair, you will catch a cold. True. Negative. Your hair will turn to icicles. Okay, that sounds so more fun than a cold. The main is uh, true, but it is false. Bing! I still think it's Viruses true. Viruses <laughs> cause Apparently, um, the cold weather, wet hair, and they don't cause colds. Um, the reason why people get colds more often in the winter is because you're indoors more often and they're spread more easily indoors. Mm-hmm. And dry air is a huge um, factor for that. No, and it makes all your head all cold and then it... Has yeah. no effect cold. whatsoever. Yeah, there's a I'm thing called sure a virus. There's works. virus theories you might want to learn about, Rob. <laughs> so reading in dim light will damage your eyes. True or false? Absolutely not. Only if you're old. They they use because young people it doesn't bother. They them, used to but always read with dim lights. Well, you guys are correct. It is false. It's, but mm. actually, it turns out that children find it easier to read in dim light. Really. Mm-hmm. I, tr- I found it easier to watch TV in dim light. <laughs> <laughs> Higher definition, right? <laughs> so chicken soup fights a cold. True. There's something in chicken soup, and I think it depends on who's making it. If it chicken. was my grandma's chicken soup, it will fight everything on earth because it's so good. Maybe it's just a mental thing, but we well, should all do it anyway. You know, it's actually true, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't cure the cold, but it fights the congestion. Oh. Apparently, it has an amino acid that's a byproduct of chicken soup, and it's a cousin 
to this antibiotic that is prescribed for respiratory infections called acetylcysteine. Wow. How so spicy does the chicken soup have to be, though? Spicy or super, Ooh, super spicy, spicy to be able to clear that congestion out? <laughs> well, you actually Apparently, have to snort it. doesn't it. have anything to do with spice. What? Yeah. So I can no. just eat a just, bucket of chicken and feel better? Exactly. Great. Just the product of chicken and the broth just makes that. Is I'll that forget that next time I have a cold. I'm getting an eight-piece chicken from the grocery store. No, yeah. Yeah. Just, you have to snort it or aspirate it. <laughs> mm. So it's got to be liquid form. Okay, one more. Okay, um, eating. Make this one hard because these are so easy. Okay, really, really, really hard. Um, how about this? Eating an apple a day keeps the doctor away. But aside from the fact that it's healthy food. Uh, no, it doesn't because of Obamacare. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. It doesn't. You could throw an apple at the doctor, then he would leave. <laughs> That's rude. What about you, Rob? I'm, I'm going to say true because I like to eat apples, and I haven't been to the doctor in a very long time. Well, Rob, oh. just because you haven't been doesn't mean you don't need to go. <laughs> well, Rob was right. It is true. <sighs> I don't need to go to the doctor. You don't need uh-huh. to go to the doctor. Apparently, You're sick, Rob. Um, there are some apple phenols that protect the DNA in your colon cells that protect against <sighs> DNA damage. Yuck. It can prevent. Um, cancer in the colon. And then researchers at Cornell University have found that up to six apples a day can prevent breast cancer in primates. And so they Holy think that cow. it can work for humans. Who would have thunk it? Does that work for applesauce? Yes. <laughs> a sure. gallon of applesauce a day keeps the doctor away. Thanks, mm. Madison. Great show, kiddos. Hope you've learned. Uh, let's just go out there, take care of those with chronic illness, love them, and let's not define ourselves by our broken parts. We're all incredible, decent, wonderful, lovable people, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thanks for listening to the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Are there some global issues you wish you could know more about or get an inside perspective on? Notes from the Kennedy Center presents lectures and seminars from international diplomats and scholars discussing issues and events from all over the world. For the first time, the number of AIDS deaths in the world declined. Become a more informed global citizen and tune in to Notes from the Kennedy Center, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.